This week on the podcast, we have an awesome guest, the founding executive director of Issue Voter. No time like right now to be paying attention to what's going on in Congress. Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. Maria Ewan, the founding executive director of Issue Voter, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. I am so happy you're joining us and we have a new Congress. We have some semblance of law and order and a direction. And I am super excited to have you on the podcast to explain what that actually translates into the work issue voter does. So maybe you can explain the very cool work you're all doing. Yeah, thank you. So to your point, the brand new Congress just started this January and the reason that I founded Issue Voter is actually because I worked on a campaign in Iowa, a place where you know there is a ton of voter engagement. But what that made me realize was that it was so hard to answer what should be a simple question, which is, is my rep actually representing me? And it was so frustrating that there was no easy way to know for you know everyday Americans what happens between elections when the real work that affects our lives gets done. Uh, I would say that Iowa also taught me two other things, which is one, I didn't necessarily want to work in politics because I think really like most people, I didn't agree with either party 100% of the time. And two, I think campaigns and uh, candidates can completely overshadow what's important, which is policy. And we pay our elected officials with our tax dollars and continue to reelect them without truly knowing the real work that gets done. Um, And if you use an analogy to the workplace, you know, you wouldn't necessarily pay and promote an employee without seeing any of their work, but we continue to do that with our reps. Uh, So the way that Issue Voter works is we try to make it as simple as possible for anyone to use. And when I say anyone, I really mean anyone. So it's open to be available to individuals who are constituents, regardless of age or citizenship. And so I think sometimes we forget that constituents include high school students. So we have high school students using issue voter. Constituents include people that are here on a green card visa, you know, and so they're also using issue voter. And what happens when individuals sign up is we only ask their address so that we know what district they're in, who their reps are, and we can automatically find them and what issues they care about. And at the end of the day, we all care about something, whether we're political or not. And in my view, it's policy that can have the uh, large-scale lasting change that we want to see in the world, and that can become really the system change that many nonprofits are truly seeking to solve. The the way that it works is when you sign up, you get alerts before Congress is about to vote on an issue you care about. Issue Voter translates those bills into layman's terms with points from both sides. When an individual selects support or oppose directly from those email alerts, that opinion gets saved to their profile and sent to their rep's office directly. And saving it to their profile enables us to create a customized scorecard that tracks the percentage of time a rep is voting however you would want him or her to vote. So in other words, I can look at my scorecard and I can see my rep is representing me 80% of the time or 20% of the time or whatever that number is. And that is a way that we can help people become 
more informed voters and hold Congress accountable between elections. Especially important as we recently saw Congress pass a record stimulus bill. And uh, I'm, I'm curious because I think the way that maybe the average voter, and uh, that's a loaded term, but a general voter sees bills, representatives like the polling, right? Like this many randomly sampled. I'm not really sure how you did this survey or poll say they support this thing. And like, that's kind of like, it feels like the marching orders of uh, maybe, maybe a lot of representatives. Can you tell us just a little bit more tangibly? Like, because I think the rising generation more than any other is savvy and aware of like, you know, click, click, collectivism and saying like, all right, sure. I clicked a button. Did it really make it there? Like how, like follow me through the, the the electronic click to like the message on the desk. What does that look like for issue voter? Yeah, so I think the thing that we really distinguish ourselves from petitions. So when you when you think about collectivism and things like that, a lot of times what people are really talking about are campaign emails and petitions. And what the general public doesn't always know is that one of the primary uses for petitions is list building. It's for the organization who created the petition to build their list. And it's not, you know, I I sometimes feel like I'm stepping on tiptoes because I don't want to offend the advocacy groups, but it's not that petitions are evil, but I do, I do take issue with the fact that the way they are sometimes messaged to the general public is that is as if you're signing this petition and you've done your good deed and signing that petition is making your voice heard when really what it is, is signing the petition is just the first step to maybe make you aware of the issue or to maybe then get you on the organization's mailing list so that they can take you, ask you to do additional forms of action like donate or like calling your reps and the things that actually matter. And so that's what I don't like about petitions. I would say that how issue voter is different from a petition is that we do send the opinions directly to the staffer in charge of constituent contact. We make it very clear to them that these are constituents from their district it's not just a general list of names. Um, and we make sure, and the other thing that's very helpful about what we do is we make sure that we're sending opinions on specific bills that are actually being discussed as opposed to just general issue uh, issues. So, you know, it's if you call your rep and say, oh, I care about the environment. I would never discourage someone from doing that, but that's not as powerful as, for example, being able to tell your rep, I care about the environment and I know that you are considering HR I'm going to make up the number, you know, 1246, whatever that bill number That's might my be. Favorite. And I actually <laughs> and I actually have a way to see how you voted. So that's the other piece that's really missing from petitions that we provide is that when an when a constituent sends their opinion on a bill, we then let that person know whether or not that bill passed and how their senator or members of Congress voted on that bill. So the summary here is looking at classic collectivism or a petition or a, a sort of sign this here for this message. It's, um, it's, it's okay if it's part of a journey, but not if it's the destination of that person. This is one step yes. in finding out more and going down that path. You're trying to shorten that into saying like, this is quasi part of the, the destination um, and in doing so, can you say a little bit more? Like you literally show up and like, what does it look like? There's a staffer somewhere tearing their hair out about 50 things. And then you have a communication channel. What does that look like? You know, how, how are you making that tangible? Because this is a skeptical generation. Um, yeah. 
Well, I would say the other thing to recognize too, from a staffer's point of view, is we are not an or we're a nonpartisan nonprofit and a free public resource. So we are not an organization that is promoting one issue over another. We're not an organization that you know, issue voter itself is not promoting one side over the other. We're simply making opening up those channels of communication to make it possible for staffers to hear from a larger percentage of their constituency. Because I think the thing that you know, the, I, the thing I know they also experience. And if you talk to staffers, they'll say uh, they are off, also realize that they are often hearing from the loudest voices or the most, you know, well-funded or well-organized voices. And they know that they're not necessarily hearing from, you know, the majority of their constituents either. So for example, I talked to a staffer who said that in, uh, a staffer in Massachusetts, for example, said that one of the issues they were hearing the most about was bird safe buildings. And so it's not that that is, an, is not an important issue. It's not that I don't want, you know, that I don't want birds to die. But at the same time, I know that if you polled Americans, like that is probably not the issue that is, you know, number one on most people's mind, bird safe buildings. But that was an example of like, that's the issue they're hearing, they were hearing about the most. Um, and so that just goes to show that they also recognize that they're not necessarily hearing from uh, the broadest range of constituents that they could be. Um, Hopefully that helps answer your question. It does. It does. It it's uh, this is a wonderful public service, you know. And I think the the next question is, wait a minute, like this is wildly important. Imagine if you know the actual constituents and not the loudest voice on Twitter or you know if it bleeds it leads type of media post getting people riled up. What if it was actual you know thought about the issue rather than getting captured in inevitable identity politics of maybe where we are now. Talk to me about how maybe interest and issues ebbs and flows though, because frankly, we are, um, we're quick to fire up about things. You know, we, we rally around things that anger us, uh, and, and take action. How do you see the issue voter audience? And I don't know how big can you tell us it is like how many folks are, are in this system and what does it look like on a, on a cyclicality basis? Because frankly, politics, from where uh, we sit at Whole Whale is like very, very loud certain times and very, very quiet others. And I'm wondering what that looks like for you all. Yeah, so I think one big thing is to make the distinction between politics and policy. So we're definitely primarily a tool that engages people on policy between elections, not necessarily the politics of it all. And the thing that I'm really proud of is that we do have individuals using Issue Voter in all 435 congressional districts and D.C. And we have now sent over 3 million alerts to individuals and opinions back to Congress. Um, but even more than that, even, even better than that is we've seen that people on average are sending 23 opinions a year to their reps. So 23 bills is way more than most people have heard about, even people who are, you know, subscribed to some of their favorite issue advocacy groups, perhaps, or those emails. So, for example, even with uh, COVID-19, uh, in 2020, many people heard about the CARES Act. But meanwhile, Congress had introduced over a thousand bills related to COVID-19 that we weren't necessarily hearing about the on the news. And so what we've seen with Issue Voter is that uh, 94% of our users have said they've learned about new issues in the first place. And beyond that, 59% uh, said that Issue Voter motivated them to take other forms of civic action, like attending town hall meetings, registering to vote, or volunteering for an issue they care about. 30% said that it's what motivated them to vote in the first place. And 47% of people using Issue Voter have said that it uh, exposed them to new viewpoints. So 
to the point around, you know, people getting riled up and things feeling really emotional. I think also what we've seen a lot nowadays is the silos um, that people experience within their own networks and in the media. And so being able to present, um, you know, both sides in the same place is also something that I think people value about issue voter and having a nonpartisan resource. Um, to your point about, you know, that that spikiness of politics, I would use the analogy almost of that. Um, if you remember that Aesop fable, the tortoise and the hare. <laughs> so, so we're like the tortoise issue voter. We are like slow and steady. We're there to to make it easy for you to engage between elections. We're there to, you know, think of it almost like Wikipedia. The information's out there, but we bring it all into one place. But beyond Wikipedia and unlike Wikipedia, we also give you that call to action. Um, and it is something that because we're hopefully making the information so available at your fingertips and so easy to interact with, that you're actually able to do it multiple times throughout the year amidst your busy daily life. Um, as opposed to a lot of times, like you said, what we see in politics is people get see something in the news, um, they get really riled up, and then a few months later, it dies down in terms of maybe the public outrage. But what doesn't die down is, is most likely the actual policy that legislators are trying to pass related to that issue, or the fact that that issue still exists, whether the public opinion or, you know, kind of the heat map of what everyone's searching on Google it has maybe, you know, changed month to month. Yeah, I think the one point in there, like what's wild is that, isn't it like over something like 17,000 bills easily or like per year floated around? Exactly, exactly. Over 17,000 bills are introduced each congressional session. About a thousand of them will probably be voted on. Um, and we probably are hearing about just a handful, if that, on the news. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's exciting that there is a growing base and my mind kind of goes to, I'm, I'm out in California. I moved a few years ago and the biggest shock to me is the amount of silly, like individual issues they let Californians vote on. And it's really been fun to like get down to this like granular level of, oh, wait a minute. Here's like uh, a bill that is a bond for schools. Here's a, you know, a policy on like flavor, flavor, uh, flavor, uh, what was it? Vape pens. Uh, and you're like voting on all these unique issues. So like that's California, but I think one of the things that may turn off, and this is just sort of like free for you to respond to turn off someone. I'm like, yeah, I care about these issues, but ultimately like I vote for a party platform. And then I get this suite of stuff. Like, does it really, how much can it really shift? Um, somebody who's like ultimately going to be on one side or the other on these issues. And you see votes, even such as the stimulus bill going like party line, even when polling says 80% of the humans are like, no, nah, we should do that. Nobody breaks party ranks anymore. I'm, I'm using generalizations, but in that world, how do you, what is your pitch for someone being like, no, they're going to pay attention to, to issue by issue when everything has gone such an extreme party line in voting. Yeah, my pitch to them is that it does. it's not always the case, right? So yes, that's a generalization. And yes, that does happen for many bills, but it's not always the case. So one of the interesting things that we've noticed from people using Issue Voter and that they've told me, you know, I've had people tell me, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that my rep was not necessarily representing me as, as much as I thought they were. So even voting for a rep that is, you know, the same party that someone identifies with when they actually start to see the things that are passing through Congress, that rep may not necessarily be representing them as much as they think. 
Um, so that's one one example. Um, I've had someone using issue voter tell me I didn't realize I was actually pretty conservative on some issues. Um, we have bills that we've covered so where on that? I'm actually pretty conservative on issues because this is interesting to me. Are you using the word conservative as in like Republican ideology or are you using conservative? Like, do you have an index? Can you actually show somebody like, oh, you chose something that is left or right of this issue? And do you have like an extra analysis on that? Because obviously you're being nonpartisan mm. trying to take a step back. Yeah, we don't have that yet. I think that's something we should build. Maybe you can help <laughs> us help us build that. Oh, God. <laughs> I like that idea. So we don't have that exactly. This is this is a direct quote. So this is a direct quote from a user. So I guess I guess I would be um, making assumptions about what they meant by the word conservative if I were to 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 you know imagine. But that is those are the words that they used um, when they were sharing you know some of their experience using issue voter. Um, and we've we've covered bills where we see on the proponent side, both Democrats and Republicans supporting a bill, and on the opponent side, both Democrats and Republicans opposing the bill. So it does happen, and it's just that many of those bills are not necessarily the ones making you know, the 24-hour news cycle, um, like some of the big handful of bills that we hear about. So that's, so it does happen. And I will say that also that, you know, there's an aspect of this where it maybe also depends on your rep. So some reps, depending on the issue, are considered more, you know, moderate, more likely to potentially be a swing voter kind of on that bill and the one that uh, different groups may be trying to influence. And if they get to hear from more of their constituents, I think that's great. Um, there's also another pitch I would give is there are so many issues that the majority of Americans support, but Congress is not necessarily passing because of politics. And those are things like campaign finance reform or background checks. Um, and so, you know, at, at its core, I think, you know, there are many things that, many more uh, policies that could get passed and done if members of Congress hear from more of their constituents and therefore are given the confidence to potentially vote, not with their party. And there's a special thing called primaries. You have to come back, face up every every so often and say, like, you may not be able to survive a challenger who's ignored um, who's ignored the constituents uh, and the nuance of issues uh, that have happened. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That is that's a great point because and it's also something I tell people a lot, which is uh, exactly your point. It, you may see that if someone starts using issue voter and sees that a rep that they thought was representing them isn't necessarily representing them as much as they thought, the primaries is a perfect opportunity to really get involved and make their voices heard. A congressional rep can win a primary with, you know, 10 to 15,000 votes and then go on to represent 700,000 people. I think that's, I mean, that is not representative. So ultimately what we're really trying to do is help to create a more representative Congress. And, you know, I do believe that we can truly uh, shape the world that we want to live in with a truly representative democracy. But right now, that's not what we have. Yeah, for many reasons. Um, but fortunately, that's not the topic of this podcast. I love the idea of letting people see what they would be interested in if they were in that seat. This is this is an employee. We are paying them. How are you performing? Are you, did you do that task? Did you show up on Monday? This is phenomenal. You know, it makes me wish more people were doing it. And the the nuance here that, you know, uh, special interests, 
they play in the dark. They play on these single issue. They're like, do whatever you want at the high level. Just make sure this one bill on that pipeline goes through. Just make sure that like my transparent building that can kill more birds gets through the old, the old, <laughs> the old system. Seems like an important issue. But I think what is a great outcome here is allowing the, the general voter to keep track of the thousands um, of bills and then pay attention to, wait a minute, why did we diverge here? Oh, that's interesting. It seems like this or that lobby or this or that um, union got a handle on what it would mean. I mean, we're just to come back to California, the amount of money spent by you know Uber and folks on this recent bill um, and, and a number of others to make sure that like uh, gig employees stayed in a certain classification. You're like, wow. And you're, was it a bill or a proposition? Prop. Just, sorry. It was a prop. It was a prop. It was a prop. Um, but anyway, like that, you can see this horsepower just in our backyard mm-hmm. over here. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. What if it wasn't like voting on a prop and it was on a politician? Like, where is that money going? Oh, right. Shoot. <laughs> so, you know, they had to spend a lot more when it had to convince the population to vote on a proposition, a bill, yes, um, in California. But you realize, oh my gosh, this is all connected and this is going on. So I love what you're what you're doing here to show um, show what's going on. So how's growth been? What is what does 2021 look like? You know, we, we switched through. I mean, have you seen the cyclicality of, uh, you know, uh, Obama era to Trump era to now Biden era? Like, what happens when we shift parties? Is there a new interest? Obviously, Congress moves around, more bills. Like, what do you, what is getting you excited about 2021 here? Yeah. So I, well, I would say internally with issue voter progress, I'm really excited about some of the new features we're going to be deploying in 2021. <laughs> so that is probably the most exciting thing for us. Um, in terms of the bigger picture and politics, I think what I am most excited about is I've noticed that people um, still are interested in being engaged. So we launched the day after the 2016 election, not as a reaction to the election results, but answering this question of you just voted now what? And so we've only really existed in the context of one presidential administration. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I won't be able to fully answer all of the questions around patterns and data of a a second presidential administration while issue voter is up and running until, you know, uh, four more years from now. But what's what's really exciting and that we've seen already this year is that people are remaining engaged. And so that's that's awesome because it really shows it, it, that people are starting to understand the importance of making their voice heard, not just during an election, but also between elections. Yeah. I, I'm really curious about the nonpartisan ability of your organization, your brand, and your messaging to truly stay that way. What are you doing? And I want you to also answer this question with the mindset of other nonprofits that are striving now really to reach the other half of the country that may not have voted their way to come back around to say, Hey, we're working on this cause. I mean, how, how do you do it? You know, I see the, the blue and the red equally used and, <laughs> and an American flag here. How are you truly making sure of that? And you know, let, let's just be honest, when you when you have to end up partnering and you're featured in some publications and not others, how are you truly doing this? And is this something that you're even working on? Yeah, this is a great question. So in terms of our content, 
I, I'll kind of answer it two ways. One in terms of our own content that we can control. And then two in like what other people are saying with us or who we're partnering with. So in terms of our own content and what we control, I will say that we do have editorial guidelines. We make it very clear that the, the opinions we're presenting are opinions. We are bringing opinions from both sides to the same place. They are not pros and cons because an opinion supporting a bill could be a con or an opinion opposing a bill could be a pro depending on what side you're on. Um, and we cover bills that are scheduled for a floor vote, not in suspension of the rules, and that are uh, trending as the top 10 most viewed bills on congress.gov. So it's a very objective way of selecting what bills we're covering. We're not just handpicking them. Um, something interesting, just a caveat or something I'll point out about that, because I think some of our um, some of the people using issue voters perhaps have noticed this. Um, in 2016 to 2018, Congress was Republican-led, and we covered more bills that were Republican-introduced during that time, because those were the bills that were moving and that were getting voted on. And then in um, from 2019 or, you know, yeah, 2019 to 20 to now, um, Congress has been, you know, Democrat-led, for example, so we've been at the, on the House side covering more bills um, that Democrats have introduced. And that is one of those things that it just is what it is, right? So we're not we're not controlling what is moving to the floor, um, but we are covering it so that people know before it gets voted on and have a chance to make their voice heard. Um, we uh, we do not um, when we share that a bill exists, we share that it exists. We don't say send your opinion or or we, or we don't we say send your opinion. We don't say vote no on HR eight or vote yes on HR8, or tell your rep to, you know, to vote no on HR8. We just message the fact that, hey, this is something that Congress is actually considering. And you now have a chance to learn about it, to dig deeper, and to send your opinion. We do fact check all numbers. Um, and then, you know, so we do as much as we can on our side to make sure things remain nonpartisan. We also are very careful, try to be as careful as possible at the language we use. Um, when we are translating a bill into layman's, term, into layman's terms, we are taking the language from the actual bill oftentimes. But what I will say is that, for example, we don't use the phrase gun control. We don't use the phrase gun rights. We just call it gun laws. Um, so that's one example of how we try to, mm -hmm. as much as yeah. possible, be neutral about the language. Um, on the other side, in terms of like you mentioned press, like if we're mentioned in a certain publication or if we are um, partnering with another organization. So something I hadn't talked about is we do partner with organizations. So organizations can receive their own customized landing page that has their logo on it and enables their community to use Issue Voter. Their community could be a general audience. It could be members. It could be customers. Um, it could be however they define, you know, their their universe or their world. Um, and when we do that, we also don't give those partners any editorial control. So a partner has to be comfortable with the fact that if they're giving their community access to issue voter, those individuals will still be seeing both sides of the bill. Um, so in terms of things like press, um, I would say that a lot of our press has happened organically. I mean, even this podcast interview, for example, came about through an introduction. And so we, um, by the way, we're going to drive you know, we, hundreds of thousands of you. This is like the biggest <laughs> interview. I know you got NTV out there. This is, this is like 10 X. <laughs> no, I love it. it. Um, well, this is a, I know I love this podcast because I mean, some of the, it's an honor to be on it because I've seen like some of the people that you've interviewed, these are nonprofits that have been around for 50 plus years. The, there was, you know, Pulitzer prize winner. So it's, it's, it's really interesting people that you're talking to and people that are really knowledgeable about the topics that they, uh, about their work, which is great. Um, and so 
I would say that we know that we have Republicans. This is like self-reported when we survey, survey our users. We know we have Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, no party. Like we know we have people of different political ideologies using issue voting. 70-30, 50-50. Uh, I don't have the numbers on the top of my head, but I will say this. We have gotten emails from certain bills where um, people have said that I, okay, so what we, we make public, if you send your opinion on a bill, we do show uh, the percentage of people on issue voter who have uh, sent their opinion in support and in opposition of that bill. So for every single bill on mm-hmm. issue voter, you can see that. And so we have sometimes had people uh, reach out to us and say, hey, it seems like issue voter is mostly, you know, this certain type of user. What are you doing to get more other type of yeah. user, you know, on the other side using issue voter? And honestly, my answer is, and this, I mean, it's not just my answer. I mean, this is the truth. We're really, really small nonprofit. Um, it's mostly been word of mouth. And so anything that anyone can do to help spread the word, we're very grateful for. Um, and I and I just always tell that person, like, if you know of any organizations that we should be talking to or, you know, groups or friends and family, like, please share issue voter with people that you know. There's no, there was no like concerted effort. This is like anti what any marketing person would probably tell us to do, <laughs> like like user personas and all that. There's no concerted effort of like, oh, we are trying to reach like the, you know, the, I don't know. I mean, I have to make this up on the spot, like the 40-year-old gun owner or like the 25-year-old college, you know, recent college grad. Like we're not targeting anyone in particular. People are fortunately finding us and sharing us because they like the service. Um, but yeah, that's probably an area where if you have any tips, uh, so we, if we a could talk about that more. reached out to you, right? Or a media, a light, smart, like a mid-sized media organization reached out to you and says like, hey, we want to pull this tech and throw it onto our site. Like, what does that look like? How do people partner with you? Yeah, so we basically just, um, we, we ask them if there's anything they would like to customize about the sign-up experience, any type of, you know, for, I'll give you one example. So uh, one of the organizations we work with cares about issues related to the environment and when individuals sign up through that page, the environmental issue is at the top and it's pre-selected, but individuals can still select any additional issue that they want to track and follow. So there's aspects of the signup that we customize for partners. Um, Another example is, and we share aggregate data with our partners. So we're very clear in that we do not sell user data. We're not in the business of selling people's data, but we do share with our partners um, in aggregate, you know, what issues their communities care about. And so we can add also like uh, sign up questions if there are specific things that they're curious about knowing. So to give another example, one of our partners works with a lot of young people and they were curious what the distribution of different universities that people came from. And so we had an optional field in our sign up process that said university. And so then we could report back to them, you know, a tally of like, oh, you have, you know, this percent from this university, this percent from another university. Um, and then, uh, so that's, that's pretty much how it works. And then when individuals sign up through that page, um, they still are interacting directly with Issue Voter, similar to as if they were to go to issuevoter.org and sign up on their own. So you can kind of control for this in the way of like saying like, look, here's the sample size of like the loose demographics that you're aware of when you pass that data along. Is that fair or no? Are you showing them, for instance, uh, age demographic breakdowns or uh, any other information on like, all right, this is of people of this? Because let's just be honest. I, you know, looking around, like, should we teach climate change in school? 
let's say I'm a large green focused nonprofit being like, hell yes. And then they drive all their constituents to your site. You're going to over index potentially than a representative population sample because there has been that type of disproportionate activity by somebody who has a vested interest in, in that issue. So I'm just like wondering it, it, when you pass that information along, you're saying like, all right, this is of this many people that are either registered for a party or of this age or any other information. So it's like a caveat of being like, cause in essence, if it's an open tool, it's not necessarily, nothing really is except for true asking everybody representative sampling. We're not trying to be a representative sample yeah, poll. Yeah. So we're, we're a tool that helps people understand that bills are being voted on that they haven't even heard about before. Um, we are a tool that helps people understand if their reps are actually representing them. Um, and we're a tool that makes it really easy for people to send their opinion and see how their reps actually voted. Yeah. So so it's it's like we are a, um, I don't know, maybe think of it like we're a highway and, you know, whoever wants to get on the highway can get on the highway. <laughs> like it's, it's not necessarily a representative sample of, you know, all the cars. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, here's the thing. Your end user um, is actually the individual voter. Yes. Yes, exactly. All right, Maria, thank you for sort of walking me through these points. I'm like, well, what about this? But what about this? What? Because we play with so many of these uh, these tools and, and nonprofits. I'm just always interested how you navigate uh, these types of complex issues, especially in the land of technology. I think this is a wonderful tool. But it's time for rapid fire. Great. Well, we'll see how you feel about that at the end. What is one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last year? We have started using Slack. I don't know why I didn't use it sooner. It's been a game changer. And so we started using it in, in 2020 and it's been great. Very, very helpful for our work streams and our teams and collaboration and staying up to date on everyone's work. This message definitely not brought to you by Slack, but if you're listening, come sponsor us. What tech issues are you battling with at present? The tech issue that is probably most challenging for us right now is a issue not necessarily about the technology, but related to project management of the volunteers who are interested in contributing to and helping with our technology. And so that's something where I am actively looking for someone who can help kind of be a product manager or at least a volunteer coordinator for our software engineers. What is coming in the next year that has you the most excited? Two things. One feature that we're hoping to add very soon is the ability for individuals to write customized messages along with their opinion to their reps. And the second thing that I'm really excited about is uh, working on language translations and making issue voter available in multiple languages, which is something we have wanted to do from day one, but didn't have the resources for. And this year, thanks to a successful December fundraising campaign, do actually have budget to start putting in place. Can you talk about a mistake that you made earlier in your career that shapes the way you do things today? My first job out of undergrad, I was working 80 plus hours a week and not getting enough sleep. And so sleep is something I definitely prioritize now. Do you believe that nonprofits can successfully go out of business? Yes. And I think that more should. So if a nonprofit is actually tackling, depending on the type of nonprofit, let me let me preface that. Depending on the type of nonprofit, if they have actually solved the problem or reached their mission that they are trying to solve, then that's that should be their goal, right? Like they should be trying to work themselves out of business. Um, the other thing that I don't see happening as much in the nonprofit sector is uh, merging 
And so I think there are probably many situations where there could be bigger impact and more success and more scale if nonprofits were more open to the idea of merging with similar or complementary organizations. And I just don't see that happening in the nonprofit sector as much as it could. Sorry to put you in the hot tub time machine back to, let's say, 2016 and the beginning of Issue Voter. What advice would you give yourself? I would tell myself to start developing relationships with some of the larger foundations earlier on, because it is a long-term process to develop those relationships. And it's not something that I was able to focus on. And, I, and, and, and not being able to focus on something is, means that it wasn't a priority. I'm not someone who believes that, oh, there wasn't enough time or I didn't have enough time to do that. It's not true. It's just that it wasn't a priority. So I didn't make that a priority from you know, the first year, but I, in hindsight, I think I should have. What is something you think you or your organization should stop doing? What I hope we can stop doing someday, eventually, soon, is impressing on, upon people why it's so important to make their voices heard on policy, uh, you know, beyond voting. Like, I, I, I want to get to a day where, like, we're sort of still in this stage where people are not necessarily walking down the street thinking, I have this problem, which is that I need to know what bills my rep is passing and, what, and who my rep is and that I need to contact them. Um, and I hope that that becomes more mainstream because I think what we've seen is that after people start using issue voter, they're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know that my rep was voting on all these bills. And now that I know it's happening, how can I not know? Like, how can I unsee this? I can't. So that's something that, you know, I think will change eventually. I think even with like social media, you know, I don't think people were walking around thinking, oh, I want to have this page on the internet with my profile that I can connect with my friends. Um, but now that we have it, we kind of can't imagine a world without it. So that's one thing I, I hope to stop having to explain why it's important. If you had a magical wand to wave across your specific industry, what would it do? I would love for the industry of healthy democracy and voting, um, including the nonprofits and the funders, to invest more in the integrity and, and health and habits around democracy, as opposed to what you mentioned, which is the things that are really spiky. A lot of what perpetuates that spikiness is the funding. So, you know, there's a lot of focus on how to vote. There's not a lot of focus on why even vote in the first place. How to vote is registering to vote, knowing who's on your ballot, knowing where your polling location is, knowing who the candidates are and how to research them. And yes, all of those things are important, but in many cases, I don't think we're doing a good enough job of answering why even vote in the first place. How did you get started in the social impact sector? I would say that my interest in civic engagement specifically started at a young age. I grew up with parents who always voted, and I still remember mock voting in second grade. Uh, when I was in college, I was part of a student group that actually got to introduce and pass a bill in our state legislature. So I got to see things from a constituent side, even at a young age, and that even as a student, you can have influence and power. Um, and I also, you know, then was working on the campaign, which was really the light bulb moment of issue voter. So it wasn't just one thing. It was almost like all of these things combined leading up to a appreciation for our civic duty and for people to be civically engaged. What advice would you give to college grads looking to enter the social impact sector right now? Well, one piece of advice that I like to give in general is that if you're wondering if you should or shouldn't do something, if you have a big decision to make, I think that one way to make that decision easy is to simply ask yourself, 
if I don't do this, would I regret it? And if the answer is yes, then just do it. You know, if you're thinking about joining a nonprofit or starting your own nonprofit or, you know, pursuing one of your passions, if it's, if you feel like, I'm not sure if I should do this or not, or I don't know, but if you think, if I don't do it, would I regret that? I think that's an easy way to make the decision. What is your favorite question to ask somebody professionally? I think my favorite question to ask people is, what are you excited about right now? What advice did your parents give you that you either followed or didn't follow? My mom told me I would be a good lawyer and I did not become a lawyer. (laughs) And finally, how do people find you? How do people help you? Well, you can sign up for Issue Voter yourself at issuevoter.org. And by the simple act of signing up, you are becoming a bigger part of our healthy democracy. Uh, We also have the ability for individuals who want to support our work to make donations through our website, which are all very impactful. Every dollar helps send over 150 opinions to Congress. And we can be found on all social media at Issue Voter. Thank you so much for taking the time and walking me through all of this. What an amazing tool. Please find it. Please use it. And thank you for your work, Maria. Thank you. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com slash university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to Greg Thomas music.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 